Welcome to the Send Parenting Podcast. I'm your neurodiverse host, Dr. Olivia Kessel. And more importantly, I'm mother to my wonderfully neurodivergent daughter, Alexandra, who really inspired this podcast. As a veteran in navigating the world of neurodiversity in a UK education system, I've uncovered a wealth of misinformation, alongside many answers and solutions that were never taught to me in medical school or in any of the parenting handbooks. Each week on this podcast, I will be bringing the experts to your ears to empower you on your parenting crusade. In this episode, we will be speaking with Anya Lautenbach, known as the Garden Fairy on Instagram and Facebook, with over a million followers. She is a digital creator and passionate gardener who's discovered solace and purpose through gardening. She will share with us her journey as an adult to a diagnosis of ADHD and how this has really changed her world and enabled her to harness her superpower to learn English and to go on to write and publish a global horticultural book. She's extremely passionate and committed to raising awareness and championing neurodiversity. So welcome, Anya. It is such a pleasure to have you on the Send Parenting podcast. I am really looking forward today to hearing about your journey with neurodiversity and how you've really harnessed it as your superpower. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey? Because I know you were diagnosed as an adult. So um, most of my listeners, they're, they're, you know, some of them, they've had children that are diagnosed and then they become diagnosed. But it would be really interesting to hear what was your journey? Yes, it's a, a very typical. And first of all, thank you so much for inviting me. Um, on my social media channels, I raise awareness about neurodiversity, in particular ADHD, um, which I have, and a trait of autism. Um, I'm also a mum of wonderfully, and I really make sure that people hear it well, wonderfully dyslexic child. Um, my son has been diagnosed when he was um, nine. And as in many situations, um, and I'm sure many parents uh, would um, agree that when your child is being diagnosed, you start noticing things and you are more aware of yourself and you often see yourself in that child. And um, the question usually uh, comes to your mind, ooh, am I neurodivergent myself? And as we now know, um, neurodiversity is um, uh, uh, can can come from parents, from grandparents. Um, so it's often the case that parents find themselves being diagnosed, just as I was in adulthood after my son's diagnosis. There's a huge genetic heritability with with neurodiversity. I know, you know, my father has ADHD. My brother has ADHD. My undiagnosed, but um, as you say, looking backwards, uh, it's it's quite evident. My daughter's the only one that's got the formal diagnosis, but depending on autism or ADHD, I mean, the, the numbers get high as eighty is ninety percent, which is which is refreshing because you know, in in historically, uh, neurodiversity was looked at. Well, was it is it the parents' fault? Is it you know uh, we're not managing the children correctly? No, it, it, it's how we're wired. And I love how you describe your son. He's wonderfully dyslexic. I'm wonderfully dyslexic. You know, um. absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And yes, you, as as you say, we we um, used to see, and even in many cases now, we still uh, refer to it as folds. You know, as, as some as a fold. You know, or 
or someone has got ADHD and people's reaction is usually, mm, oh, it must be hard. And, you know, I am um, uh, uh, the opposite. You know, I see the I see the positivity that comes with it. Obviously, not uh, you know, not only positivity. There are um, challenges, but I'm trying to show people both sides of uh, neurodiversity. Yeah, and I think that it's uh, you know, like anything in life, there's positive and negatives, and and with neurodiversity, there's positive and negatives. But I agree that that stigma kind of of oh, you know, and I have to I have to be honest, you know. Even though I am neurodiverse, I didn't really, I didn't, um, I didn't acknowledge it or understand it. I, I was able to do that through my daughter. And I think you have a similar story is that through your son and introspection, you were able to um, understand it more because it, it, it wasn't a thing in my childhood, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. And I grew up in Poland in the 80s. So, you know, our life was, um, it was lovely. My childhood was lovely and it was quite simple. But obviously being um, very naughty, and I was a very naughty, bad behaved <laughs> um, a child, you know, and if you look at my social media, you know, people uh, see me only as the lovely um, garden fairy growing flowers, but I was labeled and I, I, I uh, see labels as something positive. But at that point, uh, being labeled this naughty and really bad behaved girl was really disappointing for my family. And I left home feeling like I was a general disappointment mm. because you know, even, and, and I'm sure many uh, uh, people can um, uh, feel the same, that I was always referred to as a, she's very clever, but she's too lazy. And it's so, uh, there's a classic kind of um, phrase, you know, of clever, there's loads of potential, but she's lazy and bad behaved. And that's how I left um, home. And it's such a shame that that is still the case nowadays. And that's why I raise awareness about it, because I want more children to leave school feeling great about themselves and not like the major disappointment. Yeah, exactly. And it's, and it's understanding what's going on. So, and I know you have, you've discussed in other podcasts about how you view your neurodiversity or your ADHD with autism traits as a superpower. So maybe share with us, I, I think we need to look at both sides of the coin. So the superpower part of it, but then also the challenging parts of it. Um, so I'd love to hear your, your take on it. Yes. So, um, I came to, um, England 13 years ago and I still remember, um, uh, obviously flying from Poland and I, I, a friend picked me up and he said, um, how was your journey? He became my friend, but at that point, you know, I didn't know him very well, but he asked me in English. It was 13 years ago. And he said, how was your journey? And I couldn't understand what he said. Um, I really wanted to learn English. Um, so, only 13 years ago, I couldn't really speak English. And my brain absorbed all that information. But, you know, obviously speaking another language is not a big deal. But I have only... Yes, just it is. A, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, it, it, it really is. But um, only recently I have written a book. And I have every sentence is mine. And when I finished the book... Um, I just couldn't believe it. And it's a horticultural book. So it's all about um, growing plants. And 
so many people asked me, how did you learn? Because um, I used to work as a translator, a German trans translator. I also speak German. Um, German. Um, so I don't know how it happened. It, my brain simply absorbed information, something that I was interested in. And obviously, I turned it into a business. I became an influencer. And when I look back, it was only 13 years ago that I could not understand the sentence, how's your journey? And, and now you've written now, a book. And I can tell you very well about my journey, obviously, now in English. Um, so... And, you know, another thing is I, I cannot sit down and read a book because I'm so I constantly get distracted and the world is changing. And it's so uplifting and so um, positive for people to know that even if we struggle with reading because of certain reasons for me is being distracted, that doesn't stop you as a neurodivergent person to reach your, um, you know, the, the top for some for some people it will mean oh she has achieved so much nothing will stop you as a neurodivergent person it's so true and and there's so many different ways and there's so much technology now that can assist you do you know there's audiobooks like there's dictation there's there's so many tools now that uh you can harness to to meet those um absolutely. needs absolutely but you know we will all find our way to even neurotypical people um you know they can read and they but they will never have the superpowers that neurodivergent people have and that is something so positive for neurodivergent people to know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, your brains, our brains work f faster. We think outside the box. There's the, there's so much positivity in there that is a strength that maybe you know it, it can be used in different ways. Everyone has neurotypical people have their strengths. Neurodiverse people have their strengths, and it's it's how we we fit together in the puzzle of life that ma really matters because there's a place for all of us. I think and um. In terms of the challenges that you face, because there are challenges as well, and I think this, you know, um, you've mentioned one, which is a difficulty to focus attention, um, which is, it can be challenging. I know I see it in my daughter as well when I ask her to go brush her teeth. And as she goes up the stairs, she sees, you know, oh, this looks very interesting and that looks very interesting. And oh, mommy, did you see how these two things fit together? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So this is our challenge. And, you know, when you get um, diagnosed, and that's why I promote the diagnosis as an assessment um, so much on social media, because it's information and it's information is power. So whether it's you or your child, you have so much more understanding about the challenges that we are facing. And yeah. in um, as, as we get older, um, obviously as adults, we have the freedom of leaving our desk. So if I work at home, I can just stand up, I can walk around my room. I can go outside, I can feed my brain with some positive thoughts um, by looking at nature. But if you think of children sitting in the classroom all day long, and if they stand up, like I used to do when I was a little girl, um, they get <laughs> in trouble. So knowing that really helps us. And um, this is a challenge. Of course, it's a challenge, even for me. Uh, you know, I constantly see things around me um, and obviously growing plants and, and I'm very much into flowers. So I constantly get distracted. But knowing that that is my, my um, a problem makes me more aware of it and I can deal with it better because I understand that 
I have millions of thoughts uh, per minute. But then I go back to my uh, time when I was assessed, when I had my counseling with ADHD clinic. And I know that this is what I'm doing because that's how my brain is wired. So I just block that and think, okay, Anya, let's just focus on this one task. If I wouldn't be diagnosed and assessed, uh, assessed and diagnosed, I would have not known. I would feel the sense of um, no sense of achievement at the end of the day because I would be constantly distracted, not knowing why and blaming myself, which might have uh, led to um, a, a, a depression and other mental health issues. But knowing it really helps me deal with my challenges. No, absolutely. And, and, and when you look back on your childhood where you were li- labeled the lo- naughty kid and, and stuff like that, that would a lot of self-doubt and chip away at your your confidence and create anxiety in, in terms of not knowing. I find that, you know, unfortunately for some parents, they are somewhat reluctant or um, they're unable to get a diagnosis because of the system. But, you know, there's they're afraid that it's going to put a, a label on their child and create a stigma um, on their child. And it was really actually very interesting. Another uh, podcaster, Dr. Marianne, who's been on our show, her daughter has autism and she got diagnosed in university and she did a great podcast because she was against getting her d- daughter diagnosed. And she said, I didn't want to put a label on my daughter because it could be self-prophesizing, which she said, I've actually had to realize that I wasn't doing what was right for my daughter because her daughter, now that she's been diagnosed as auti- uh, having autism, is like, I get it. Like, and now I, I can find my tribe. And this, this explains so much to me. It's a, you know, it's a part of me. And now it, everything makes sense, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, I, ex- I, I came up with this um, um, little story about uh, uh, cashmere cardigans. And this is how I explain um, a, a diagnosis assessment and a diagnosis to people on my social media channels. Um, if you buy a cashmere cardigan, and you wash it in 60 degrees because the cashmere cardigan lost the label, we all know what will happen to the cashmere cardigan. It will lose on fluffiness. It will become the size ready for a toddler and it's not as fluffy as, as a lovely cardigan. If you have the label and you look at the label and you turn it around and you read and you say, oh, okay, 30 degrees, uh, you know, only uh, don't tumble dry it. Absolutely not. The cashmere cardigan will stay lovely and fluffy and you will get what you expect from a cashmere cardigan. And that's how I see children at school that are being, uh, uh, that aren't being diagnosed. They are just like cashmere cardigans and are shrinking. And people find it, suddenly it makes so much sense to people. You don't have to walk around with that label hanging on your, on your, <laughs> on your cashmere cardigan so everybody can read it because it doesn't matter for those people. But you know how to wash your cardigan. And that is the same with yourself and it's with your children. You just know what to do with them and they just stay lovely and fluffy and they not, they, they, they just lovely. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're able to reach their potential and be the, you know, the, oh, that's such a lovely analogy. I absolutely love it. It is a, a brilliant way to look at it, you know, um, because ultimately that's what all parents want is to, to have their ch- child grow and, you know, reach their potential. And 
as you say, the label doesn't have to be right on the front of the the jacket. And I think that's what kind of is some of the fear there is like, oh, this is going to um, tar them with the with a brush, you know? Totally. And I mean, label is information and information is power. Yeah. And you know, what's really interesting is, you know, big employers now are looking for people with the label of neurodiversity because they know that if given the right environment and the right structure in place, they actually, you know, outperform and have really creative and out of the box ideas, which once you get out of school, which doesn't want you to think out of the box and doesn't want you to be creative, the world, the workforce, that's what they want. Yes, but the the good news is that the world is changing. And, you know, it was my son who, at the age of three, um, was so fascinated by evolution. But the school wasn't interested in that because they are being measured on, you know, he was not on level, a, a, a purple level, and he had to be on an orange level for reading and writing. Nobody cared about the evolution uh, of, of hearing from a three years old. But that is so typical. And now um, I see it in children. Um, you know, it's usually a, a very clever, very, um, you know, a, a deep thinkers, but they're not on expected level. And it, pe- people and parents in particular get really, um, you know, it's a challenge for them because that child isn't not, is not doing what other children are doing. But that should be a really positive thing because you know that your child will do some amazing things later in life. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like you have to, and I've had to, I've had to do this myself. I don't know if you had to do it with your son is I had to kind of break my perceptions of what my child was going to be like and what school was going to be like. I've actually completely, you know, destroyed what I thought. Cause I thought, Oh, my child's going to do this. They're going to meet all this. They're going to do exceptionally well. And actually, no, they're going to go their own path. They're going to teach me how to be a better mother and they're going to learn the way they want to learn, you know? And it, 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 and in fact, she's taught me more than I've ever learned myself. And I have a medical degree, you know? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I, I just, do you know, when, when my son was diagnosed, I actually felt like I wouldn't swap with anyone. Obviously, there are challenges, but I want him to be that wonderfully dyslexic ch- child. I want, I'm fascinated by his brain. I cannot wait to see what he will do with his life. And I'm pretty sure he will do some amazing things. Uh, you know, and it, 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 it is, um, having that faith that is so important and having that belief that is so important. And I think, you know, it is an amazing to hear your passion for this. Now you came over to England and you have, uh, you're, you're better known because my listeners might not, might not be gardeners. I don't know, but, uh, <laughs> You're known as the Garden Fairy on Instagram and you have a massive following, I think over 300,000 followers, which is just, you know, stratospheric. Um, how does nature help you with your neurodiversity and how can it help others? Yes, I mean, um, you know, it's, it's actually, I have to say, it surprised me recently that I have over a million followers now on, on, um, Facebook and, and Instagram together. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm underselling you. (laughs) Oh, no, no, don't worry. Don't worry. I, I actually only recently realized because I neglected Facebook. And then one day I went on Facebook and I realized I have 
over 600,000 followers. So I'm obviously, um, quite, you know, now doing both, um, both platforms. And it's amazing because obviously I can raise awareness and I can help yeah. so many, so many children. Um, what helps me obviously understanding my ADHD and how, you know, we chase the dopamine. So we want yeah. that positivity that comes and it all uh, very often doesn't end, um, end up well because, you know, a lot of ADHD people suffer from, um, alcohol and drug abuse, you know, this, the, the problem is much bigger than most people think for the society because we are just trying desperately to get that positivity from, from somewhere. And for me, I've tried medication. I've done a lot of ADHD counseling and I tried, I tried to understand why is it that this gardening, that the journey that I'm on is so amazing for me? What is it that it makes me feel so chilled and so happy? And at the end of the day, I feel a great sense of achievement, almost the same level as you get from uh, 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 being on, on um, medication. And what I realized is the progress and, um, and also the development and that sense of achievement from seeing something, um, thrive, you know, and that I'm sure it goes back to our, um, uh, roots, um, that humans get, um, positivity from seeing food, you know, from seeing a clutch of eggs. Um, and I constantly read about it. Is it really that makes us feel so good that when you see plants growing, that they give you so much positivity and it really is the case. And that's why gardening and creating gardens is so good for neurodivergent people because it's almost like you tick your boxes outside. Your brain creates that positivity and you feel good about yourself. So that is yeah. what, what I, I feel on daily basis. I mean, it, it stands to reason, and I know they do little gardening projects at school, but to, to bring gardening into schools more as well, you know, where kids can actually go out and, 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 and get that kind of positive feedback, get those dopamine levels up, get the serotonin going, be outside with the sunshine, the vitamin D. There's so much positivity there. And like you say, you see success. Yes, absolutely. So it all connects, you know, as the uh, also propagation because I'm I'm very much into propagation and um you know it's so simple. Children could do it on their windowsills. Um that's how I did it when I was a little girl and um it's just it it ticks so many boxes especially for neurodivergent children. You know, it's funny, it just popped into my head because my daughter actually said to me the other day, she goes, mommy, I really want to have a plant. And I was like, what do you mean you want to have a plant? She goes, I want to have a plant that I can that I can raise. And being the yes. great mother that I am, have I gotten her a plant? No, but this is... You this, must get, you must get, must get her a plant. <laughs> After our chat, you must get a plant. I will, I will, you know. Um, and uh, sometimes we, we need to listen more as parents to our children. But, you know, it is, um, it's a really healthy way to get dopamine and it's a way to, you know, avoid those negative ways of getting dopamine. And I've talked to other podcast guests too, you know, there's ways you can do it with food, there's ways you can do it with exercise, but it's it's being cognizant also of that fact that as an ADHD person, you need that dopamine, you know, and being able to get it in a healthy manner. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's also, you know, the mean, it's, it's meaningful. And I find it that, you know, this um, short lived um, dose of dopamine that comes from, you know, all sorts of negative stuff is, is, is not as meaningful and it's not as powerful as just something 
related to nature. Well, you know, it's also interesting about that. There's actually a physiological reason for that. So when you take a substance to that makes you release dopamine, what your body does internally is it says, okay, I don't actually need to make dopamine and I don't actually need to have so many receptors for dopamine because it's coming externally. So actually you deplete your ability for you as yourself to produce dopamine and you decrease your dopamine receptors so that they don't interact as well with even dopamine that you're taking, whether that be alcohol or food or drugs. So it's it, it really has a negative effect taking external stimulus for dopamine versus you internally producing it. And when you do stuff like go outside and garden or go for a long walk or exercise, you actually increase your dopamine receptors which we lose. We lose even if you're not even if you're not neurodiverse, just getting old, you lose your dopamine receptors. So by doing those things going outside, you actually increase the amount of receptors you have so you can feel happier. It's amazing, Absolutely. isn't it? It's it is amazing. And you know, the more we talk about it, the better. Because not many people understand that. And it's you know, it's it, it will make such a difference to so many lives and to the society in, in general. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's, it's not something to be feared. It's something to be understood as we've discussed today. It's something to, um, harness the superpowers with and then also to understand what your challenges are and what you need to put in place, what tools you need to put in place to be able to navigate those challenges. Totally. And, you know, as, as our children grow, as parents, knowing that, having that information is so useful because you offer them other ways of getting that positivity and that dopamine and you prevent them from going in or, or, or choosing the wrong path. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much, Anya, for being on the show today. And I would love to ask you, as I ask all my guests, what would be your three top tips that you would give to parents to take away after listening to this podcast? Um, one of um, one of the things is um, always seeing your neurodivergent condition as your superpower. Um, just imagine walking into a room of people and your superpower is almost like a set of wings and you have them, but other people don't. And that is your superpower. The other one is... Um, Always remember that things will change. So even if you in a very tough situation uh, because of your child uh, uh, struggles and your own struggles, always think that your situation will change because everything in this world is changing. And um, the last one, try to offer as many things to your children and to yourself, as many hobbies to try because you never know which one will become the true passion. And that true passion can become a, a, a new thing, something positive in your life. So always try as many things as possible to find your passion. Yeah, that's a really good, uh, three really good tips there and uh, words to live by. So thank you, Anya. It's been a pleasure having you on the show today. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was lovely chatting to you. Thank you for listening, Send Parenting Tribe. I feel truly inspired by Anya's story and how all our children, given the right tools and dare I say labels, can achieve anything. If you haven't already, please leave a review on your preferred podcast platform and follow us on Send Parenting Podcast on Instagram. Wishing you and your family a week where you spend some time out in the garden.